0: Judy, my clicker's not up here, so you might have to hit spacebar occasionally um, for me. I, one of the one of the things that happens whenever you talk about sin is, uh, in, especially in church, is, is that you leave um, and are tempted to do the thing that's going to get you in the most trouble when you've talked when you've heard a lesson about sin. Uh, when you've heard about commands and you hear somebody say that we're supposed to love each other, you hear somebody say that we're supposed to forgive each other, you hear somebody say that we're supposed to show grace and that we're supposed to be patient we're supposed to be kind a lot of times you get in the car on the way home and you'll look at your spouse and you'll say did you hear what he said? <laughs> and and then the next statement will be something to the effect of, well, uh, you're, you don't need to be judging me. Don't judge me. And can I say that that's just silly, that second statement? Also, don't, don't harass your spouse after a sermon. Um, but the second statement of don't judge me is a misunderstanding, I think, of what... Um, what Jesus was actually saying when he said that. Uh, it would be like you went to the doctor. And the doctor found, a, um, found that something was wrong with your heart. But before the doctor told you that something was wrong with your heart, he went into the nurse. Uh, went into the nurse's station there and said, I need, I need some advice. Uh, you know this patient better than I do. Uh, something's wrong with their heart. Something seriously is wrong with their heart. But I don't want to judge their health. I don't. I don't want to judge them. I feel like I, I'll be telling them if I tell them something's wrong with the heart. Um, it's as if to say I have. Um, I. I think my heart's better than your heart. So I don't want to judge them. You don't want a doctor to do that. You don't want a doctor to tell to not tell you something that could be life altering or life saving because. He doesn't want to, you know, infringe upon what you might think about. If there's something wrong with your heart, there's something wrong with your heart. If you lack forgiveness, if you lack love, if you lack patience, if you're not that joyful of a person, if if you are cruel to your spouse, then you are sinning. The end of it. That's just what's true. You say, well, you know, the Bible says not to judge. We're going to talk about what the Bible says today. But I also want to make sure that we don't fall into the trap of saying the Bible says every time it suits us. Yeah, yeah, right. They agree. But there there is a tendency for us to get real defensive about, well, don't don't judge me. What we mean is, don't evaluate me. Because what Jesus says when he says, don't judge, is completely different. Because Jesus has, next slide here. Jesus has spent the last um, several chapters um, in the Bible uh, talking about a new way of living. When we get to Matthew chapter 7, he says something incredible, but before we get to Matthew chapter 7, he says some very impactful, very serious things about how we live the Christian life. Now, remember our sin list from last week? A lot of times we live by a sin list, and we structure a list and we'll say, well, there's this, you know, like the worst sins are um, down here. Those are the worst sins. The, uh, you, you know, like murder, and um, enjoying Justin Bieber, and <laughs> just, just a list of stuff that's supposed to... And we say, well, let, let, let the, the worst stuff is right down here, and, and we'll work our way up to things that, you know, are are bad. Yes, of course they're sins, and all sins are equal compared to the Lord. But, you know, really, not um, so we'll, we'll do a list, and we'll say my sins are usually like these little small sins up here, and and uh, yeah, I may gossip a little every once in a while, but it's true. I'm telling the truth, and um, I, I may um, overindulge in this or that, or I may, there, there's, I may I may lie on my taxes, but you know who doesn't? And so we we make this list, and these these things up here are really. Not that bad, but down here, like, I, I don't murder anyone, but, you know, I sometimes get angry. But who doesn't get angry while they're driving or when a ref needs glasses? <laughs> Which I love the optometrists in, in here. Um, y'all are the only ones qualified to yell that. So there is a, um, there, there's a, so I get angry sometimes. Of course, of course, I've never committed adultery. I, I wouldn't commit adultery, but, you know, sometimes I've lusted. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, of course, um, break a promise or I wouldn't, I wouldn't sin in these big ways, but I've sinned in these small ways. And what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount is, it, it just blows up that worldview. Notice, he Let's just quickly jump through here. Matthew Matthew chapter 5, he says, You have heard it said that to the people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So Jesus takes murder and anger and pulls them out and says, It's the same thing in the heart. He does the same thing for, with adultery. Later on in Matthew chapter 5. You've heard it said that you should not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So he takes, he takes adultery, he takes lust, and he says, well, let's, let's pull them out and we'll show, I'll show you they're the same thing. It's the same mess that's going on in you. It's the same brokenness that's happening inside of you. And so what Jesus is doing, he, go, he goes on, let's, let's keep going. Again, you have heard it said long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill, the Lord, fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. He goes on to say, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He says, you've heard it said that eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And then in Matthew chapter 6, he says, when you pray, when you fast, do not store up for treasure, your treasures in heaven, do not worry. We've got all these commands that are life-changing, that are life-shaping, that everyone in the audience, everyone in the audience, could use and apply, take and apply to themselves. But as a preacher, I can tell you this is not a regular I I remember the first time I stood up in front of a large group of people and declared something that was unpopular. Um, I was a freshman in college, and I was at the Arkansas Tech uh, Campus Ministry. Just skinny, little, big-headed knucklehead. Um, telling made-up stories to have people like me. Still do that. And but I remember we were sitting in and they had this like meeting because a bunch of people had been arguing. It was an election year, I believe. Yeah, it was an election year. The election was coming up close. Um, it was 2000. You remember how contentious that particular election was and everyone since and, and all the ones before it. And so there were some people who were voting for one guy, and there were some people who were voting for another guy, and they were all mad at each other. And I stood up, and I said, and they were they were having this meeting, and they were going to hash it out. And I stood up, and I said, guys, why don't we all just work on ourselves for a month and see what happens? Just work on you instead of trying to work on everybody else, and so See what happens, and then we'll come back and meet and go from there. Well, I didn't know that was one of those statements that made everyone just quit a meeting, but the meeting just quit. And a guy came and grabbed me and pulled me outside and said, I'm really glad you said that, because those people really need to be working on themselves. (laughs) Yeah, they do. That's true. See, that's the problem with, with acknowledging that other people are impatient or that other people are angry or that other people lust or that other people, um, their yes is not their yes and their no is their no, that they seek revenge. Th- those are true statements. That really actually happens. So when I point out other people's sins, it's not that I'm wrong. It's not that I'm wrong at all. But what happens is we will, I, 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 can, I can go through the Bible and work on every command. And there's a certain group of people, and I think, this, I think this, this practice hits all of us at one point or another. Where we hear a sermon, we read a scripture, we're moved by a song, and we can only think of the people around us who are failing to live up to the thing the preacher said, the thing the Bible says. So Jesus knows this, has spent this whole sermon giving these instructions, these teachings that are going to change lives if implemented in the, the life of the hearer. But knowing what the human nature is, knowing what our tendencies are, In Matthew chapter 7, he begins it with, Do not judge. And there's just this moment of, Oh, whoa, that was there. I was ready to start working on the other people. I was ready to start changing other people's lives. I was ready to influence the world and let that teaching just bypass my own life. But then all of a sudden Jesus says, do not judge. Here's, here's what the scripture says. Matthew chapter 7 says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The the Greek here is actually kind of more fun. It's it's a more play a play on words, and actually could be translated into English in the same way. It could be translated, um, "Do not judge, or you too will be judged for the judgment you use. The judges will judge. Like it's 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 like this real fun little uh, staccato saying that's only exciting to me. Just forget I said that. <laughs> Sorry. I told I was telling Rachel about that last night. I was reading it in the original language. I was like, "This is just so neat the way he phrases this here." And she was staring at me with like glazed donut eyes. And um, not she didn't get glazed over eyes. I just said it a weird way. But she, I said, "You don't care," and she said, "No, I care." And then I thought, I probably shouldn't share that with the church. And we got here, and I got excited about it. I was like, they're going to want to hear this. And then it came out of my mouth, and everyone looked at me the same way Rachel looked at me. And here I am, just floundering. But anyway, he says, do not judge. <laughs> do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, you, it will be measured to you. Listen, Jesus knows We have a tendency whenever commands are issued or when teachings are taught to not take the place of the hearer, but take the place of the giver. We assume the position of God. We say, you know, it's almost as if God looks us in the eye and says, says, do not be angry. Do not lust. Do not seek revenge. Do not worry. When you pray, don't bring attention to yourself. When you fast, you're fasting, right? No, okay, we'll just skip that one. When you give, there's all these commands, and it and it's like it's like he's trying, God's trying to get us to to answer, to, to change, and we were just putting our arm around him and saying, "Yeah, tell him." That's judging others. It's not just pointing out sin. Listen, sin should be pointed out. Sometimes it takes someone to point out my sin for me to see my sin. Rachel's really good at this. Um, not, <laughs> I didn't mean that the way it sounded. <laughs> she is. She's very, very compassionate with me. And, and it says, well, maybe you shouldn't see it with that sort of light. Maybe you should give them the benefit of the doubt. That's what she has to tell me a lot. Maybe you should give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, maybe I should then i say i'm not but i should no but she she's gentle and leads me into a good a, a healthy way of thinking more often than than i would without her and i need her i need you guys we we're doing this whole christianity thing as a group but we won't be able to do it as a group if we're just afraid to even point out sin if we're afraid to call sin sin but if our own if our only only perspective is looking at others finding sin. Then that's a judgmental way to live. Like if you're concerned with other people's sins, and look, can you see how dangerous this can get? It it can it can become a circle, right? Someone someone throws something at you because you looked at them funny, and then you throw something back. Well, all of a sudden after. 15 years of throwing things back and forth, you've forgotten who threw the first punch and you're just trying to keep up. Trying to reciprocate the situation. We're so concerned with what other people are doing. So concerned with how other people are acting. See, the problem is, is that we take the position of of God instead of the position of the one to whom God is talking. We need to stand in the teachings of Jesus and be affected by them. Notice what he says, the illustration Jesus gives. Verse 3, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? I think one of the difficult things um, about text is it's hard to understand tone. Have you ever gotten a text message, and you're like, um, hey, you, you send them, hey, I've, I've, I've I got a, a lid for your, co-. I don't know what text message, I don't know why. you. Anyway, you send them a message, and they just say, great, but there's no period or exclamation mark, and there's no smiley face with a stung, tongue sticking out, and there's no LOL at the end of it. They're just like, great, or okay. You're like, what do they mean? Have you ever had that moment of panic? Like, um, I'll see you tonight. Okay. Do they hate me? You know, like it's it can happen that fast. Although I I do I ever, occasionally I'll have to text a teenager for a um like for an event or something and say, hey, could you do this? And they'll say, Yes, L O L. And I'm like, are you a are you a maniacal, evil person? Like, I interpret that. If you say LOL, laugh out loud, after something that's not funny, I think you're a crazy person. I just, I picture you going, yes. (laughs) That's how I picture you in my mind, and you don't come off well. But I'd rather have that than just the yes, because I start to panic over what the, how did, what was the tone? I do this with this passage, because you could read it in two ways. You could say, like Jesus said, why, why do you... Why do you worry about the speck in someone else's eye when you've got a plank sticking out of yours? Or you could say, why are you worried about the speck in someone else's eye when there's like a, there's a there's a giant plank sticking out of yours? Everywhere you turn, people are ducking in the marketplace because of this plank in your eye. There, I, I think there's a moment of. of Jesus like, Jesus has compassion on these people, and i don 't think this is an angry um message because there's some giveaways here, but they found parables oh not parables they found hyperboles uh and and puns very funny Jesus used a lot of these um, they also liked alliteration like uh, earlier on in verse one um, anytime you could do something interesting with the words, they liked it um and so when there's an element of humor here because there's a hyperbole involved, he says, you got a speck. You're walking up to someone with a plank sticking out of your eye saying, let me help you with that speck. Don't do that. Don't do that. What he says, he says next? First, uh, verse 5, first, you hypocrite or you uh, pretender, you actor who wears a mask. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to what? Remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, those of us who live by a list of sin, we quickly go to our board and we say, well, what are plank sins and what are speck sins? My sins are speck sins. They've got plank sins. I've got speck sins. The only sin that is a plank sin is the sin that keeps you from helping other people. Notice that's what he's saying. you got a plank sticking out of your eye, you can't help the other person. Get rid of it, then you can help them. Alcoholics can help alcoholics. They do it all the time. Addicts help addicts all over this country. People who overspend have helped people who overspend. Those who judge help no one and are incapable of doing so. Those who take the position of God and look down on the world are incapable, incapable of helping anyone. Well, I wouldn't do that if I were them. That's nonsense. One, if you say that, you don't know how the world works. What you mean when you say that is they wouldn't do that if they were me. You catch the difference? I wouldn't do that if I were them. Yeah, Actually, you probably would have. If you were raised by the same parents, lived in the same home, went, hung around the same group at school, it, you probably would have. When we say, well, I, I walk a mile in their shoes, you just mean, I wish they could walk a mile in mine. And you're judging other people, you cannot help them. and if you cannot help them, you're worthless in the kingdom of God. You're just knocking people over at the marketplace with that big plank sticking out of your eye. Why do you think you can help them? God's given the commands. God's given the teachings. And together we need to walk hand in hand as someone who can get angry, as someone who can be impatient. I need to stand with my other impatient friends. I need to stand with my other angry friends. I need to stand with. I'm, I'm emotionally immature. Most men are. Like every single one of our emotions turns into anger. When we're sad, we're, it looks like anger. When we're afraid, it looks like anger. When we're angry, it really looks like anger. When we're happy, we're punching the air. It's still an aggressive action. We need, we're broken people, all broken, but all redeemed by Jesus. And we stand together in our brokenness. We stand together in our with with our specks in our eyes. But the most the, the most harmful thing we could do is stand above someone with the plank what happens then is you start you start speculating about the the eternal destination of their soul and that is not your job you're not good at it you're horrible at it So we stand together what that does is it eliminates the hierarchy we talk about a list but but what it really is is like i'm I'm better because I'm up here you know arrogance I'm a little arrogant but I've earned it you know we got like the and, and we we can look down on those people who are addicted or those people who have um, you know murderers or um, all, all of that we can we look down on that but If you you take all the sins off the shelf, all the sins off the ladder and just lay it on the floor and say, church. Then you have community of broken. A community of imperfect people who know we're imperfect people. We're all working together because we're imperfect. We're all helping with the specks in each other's eyes. That's what church is. If we, if we, as a church, work by a sin list, we're eventually going to get to a place where we draw a line and say everyone below this line is really not all that welcome. You can lust, but you can't commit adultery. Commit adultery, you're out. That line... Not all It's not really that much of a line, but a plank that keeps us from helping everyone below it and infects everyone above it. So as we go on throughout the series and talk about sin, we're not talking about the sins of the world. We're not talking about the sins of the nation, or the sins of other countries, or the sins of of other churches. Because you know how effective sermons are when no one's in the room? When the person you're preaching to isn't here? It's not very effective. So we're going to talk about things that we wrestle with. And to begin with, we're going to have to acknowledge that these are the things we wrestle with. And that sin isn't some ladder of success that I can just I can I can I can mess with the small sins and just be fine. And as I'm up there, I might as well look down on the people who are below me. It's not a hierarchy. But sin is just this thing that happens to every single one of us, and that has been conquered by Jesus for every single one of us. Now we can stand together and help each other in our brokenness. Well, one of the craziest things to me is when um, someone someone once asked me, "How what's it like to?" It must be really hard to counsel a marriage. And I said, "Yes, it is very hard. Um, it'd be like if someone brought you a car uh, with a with that had a, a broken thingamajig on it, I'm wading out into waters unknown, had a had a had a, um, a gasket that was leaking. Nailed it. All right, so." And they said, Can you fix my car? And they handed you the leaky gasket. And you said, Well, I can, but where's the rest of it? And I said, That's all that's left. That's what marriage counseling mostly is because they've come too late. The reason they come too late is because we are afraid, because we have a system, we have a hierarchy. And we're afraid that when we cross those like unperceived lines, we'll get down at the bottom and people just won't accept us. We're going to have to put on a, we can scream and yell at each other on the way to church. But get out, get out of that car. Wipe those eyes. Go inside. And we are great today. That'll destroy you. i will just destroy you. I don't want any people thinking ill of me. Let us, let all the people here who have struggled through marriage. Marriage is hard. Let all the people help you with yours. Let us stand together in our brokenness and wipe the specks from each other's eyes. But we won't be able to do that if there's, if, if there's judgment. That's what church is. Church is a bunch of people with specks in their eyes. Helping each other remove them slowly and it can be a beautiful thing but the worst the church can be is just a bunch of people with planks knocking each other over and that's just a disaster and you know it when you see it S- stop the pretending stop the judging let's stand together in our brokenness and sing together to the God who relieves us of our brokenness, redeems us from our sins, and calls us by a new name. It's the name of Jesus. If you want to connect with Jesus this morning, while we stand and sing, come together. Right, come forward while we stand and sing.